Welcome to uh, Small Talk, Small Government. Bill and Deb here. This is our first episode, and we have chosen the topic of COVID. I think it's pretty timely. I, I think so. It's pretty timely. I've heard of this thing, you, yeah. that which you call COVID. <laughs> yes. I, I will say that, uh, you know, lately it seems like there are some truths coming out about it and issues that have really been kept silent up until now are bubbling up. So we think it's a good time to start talking a little more openly about this. And, you know, again, like we were talking about in our uh, introductory episode, if we can see how maybe we've... Uh, been manipulated in some fashion, or maybe some things have been not exactly above board in this subject, how can we take that and apply it to other things? And, you know, perhaps there's many things that were not exactly uh, told the truth about, um, and and maybe a little twisted. Today, we're going to talk about some of the mandates, some of the statistics around the world, um, some of the the therapeutics, and, uh, you know, just some general information like that. And I'll also say that, um, just this morning, I was seeing that this this journalist and writer, I wasn't familiar with this person, but she used to write for the New York Times, Barry Weiss, mm-hmm. was on um, Bill Mayer. And Bill Mayer has been a guy that, you know, is on the left side of the spectrum and has been saying a lot of things lately, especially related to COVID specifically, um, about a lot of um, the the manipulation out there and the, the the way they're kind of feeding the fear campaign. And so anyhow, Barry Weiss on Bill Mayer did say that a lot of her, you know, liberal friends and such were starting to be upset mm-hmm. by feeling like, you know, hey, OK, you, you told me that if I took the vaccine and if I did this and I did that, that I, everything was going to be back to normal. And, and it's and it's it's not yet. So, like, why did you tell me that? Why did I do all this? You know, if 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 it's not going to get back to normal. And she said that, uh, you know, a lot of them, they won't say anything, though, because they're so afraid of being labeled anti-science or somehow being marginalized because they have that opinion. So I think that's really telling for us to feel confident about starting to talk about this right now, because, I mean, I can speak for myself and say I am afraid to talk about a lot of things because I am afraid of I've already had so much backlash come my way mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to speak out almost. But like we've said a million times, it feels so wrong to say nothing. And so it just, I, I'm happy that all of this is going on now um, to give us kind of this opening. So I, I hope that it's helpful. I hope so too. And um, like you were saying, then there's a lot of information out there. Um, I think first we start off with the uh, with the Tim Pool disclosure here. <laughs> uh, we are not doctors. Nope. We're not advocating for any kind of particular treatment. Uh, talk to your doctor and find out what's right for you. Mm-hmm. And so I think that should make everybody happy out there who might be uh, yeah. thinking of kicking us off for for all the information Thanks that we are about the legal to. Box. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the big thing that's happening right now around the world is is all these mandates. Yeah, and I think I've you know it, to, here at home, it's definitely to me, it's been a way that uh, it's just been one more thing to divide us and uh, pit us against each other. Um, you know, it feels more and more like the media is uh, telling us to ostracize each other, really, um, you know, kind of pushing the the hate and fear narrative. Um, and I think that I know I've been really happy that that a lot of the, the Supreme Court rulings have come out lately. But um, in the U.S., it seems like we're made to believe that anybody who doesn't agree with the mandate or doesn't want the vaccine is like a fringe crazy. Um, and But actually, what I've been encouraged by is, is, well, and it's sad also, is to see the protests that are springing up around the world about this. 
Um, you know, we're told that if, if we don't agree with it here, we're selfish. We don't care about other people. Um, you know, and, and we're, we're told, I mean, there are like major media figures that are saying these people should be forced and punished. We should make their life difficult lose their jobs, publicly shamed. They can't participate in events. It's kind of nuts, you know, and but yet people around the world, there's also unrest over this that maybe other other news stations. I, I don't know if people are aware that it's not just we dummies conservatives here in the U.S. People everywhere are ta taking to the streets about this and really trying to cling to some freedom. And I wanted to point out um, this uh, legal philosopher, Ava Vladenbrook, I, I, is it Vladenbrook, I want to say. Anyhow, she's from um, an organization called Black Box TV. Um, and we'll, we'll try to have some links somewhere to this, I guess, at some point, all these different sources that we're using to come up with this. But she was on um, Tucker Carlson, and I, I've also seen it r directly on the Black Box TV mm -hmm. website. And I'm going to quote her. She said, you know, millions of people around the world are aware of what is at stake here. They know our constitutional rights are being put aside without an end date, that we are heading toward a new system, a tyrannical regime of mass surveillance and control. This is not just a hunch. It's part of a bigger plan. That is her quoting. It was it was really an eye opener. And she went on to discuss um, the early stages that they're in. Uh, I think she was in. She was in the UK somewhere, but and, and she was talking specifically about um, where she is and all across Europe. She mentioned the landmark case that was being ruled in Austria this week. She says that they're in the early stages of a social credit system um, and that they were looking into whether or not Austria would end up being part of the free West for much longer. It looks like they're not going to be. Their, their compulsory mandate law, I guess, went into effect I think it goes into effect February 1st, but they voted on it this past week. Anybody over 18 has got to be vaccinated. If you are not, you're going to you're going to have steep, heavy fines that nobody's going to be able to pay. They're going to pretty much round you up off the street. Um, it's interesting because she was saying that they really do have like uh, th that whole QR situation that is tied mm -hmm. directly to their vaccination status. And that thing is what allows them to participate in anything um, and she says, this is, you know, what do you know, not the first time in history that tyranny has sprung up out of Austria. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I've heard about this before yes. sometime in that part of the world we about maybe 80 history. years ago or so. Yeah. Which that is the surprising thing about it is that those kinds of things are are popping up from that location, mm -hmm. you know, geographically, that's, uh, uh, you'd think that, that a lesson would have been learned it's there. It's an eye opener. And I mean, I hope our people here know that this is happening. I, I don't <laughs> yeah. know if they do, you know, but, um, and of course the parliament claims that this is the way to end lockdowns and combat any future outbreaks, which kind of sounds like we're going to keep on vaccinating you. You know, with with anything that we feel like, which is just it's just odd. You know, I mean, that, that's not OK. And the interesting thing about it and in, in what I've researched is all of this overkill for what looks like less than a one percent death rate there. What I've seen is that they've had one point five million cases mm -hmm. and just under 14000 deaths. Wow. So my math says that's point nine percent. That's, yeah. And, you know, you're going to get into a lot of statistics here in this country later, but, um, and, and, and we're almost, it's, it's kind of the same. The death rate's pretty low for this insanity that we're forcing. Um, 
So I know, like for me, I, I, it was definitely an answered prayer that the Supreme Court ruled against the biggest part of the mandate, forcing private companies with more than 100 employees uh, to be vaccinated or fired. I know that they've um, they've kept it for the healthcare and the airline industries. What do you know? Those things take a lot of federal dollars. So mm-hmm. kind of tells you once again how much the dollars can control just about anything. And yeah, follow the money. Yeah, they're well aware that they can control us with dollars, you know. So um, it's just interesting, you know, some of the, the stuff that um, comes out about adverse effects and, and things we almost hear about in other countries because our government is not telling us these things. I know that I found an article out of the UK months ago and handed it over to my son, for instance, who, you know, I mean, we both are on, in the same camp about the whole vaccination thing, but uh, camp... <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> I hope that a, a certain type a of thing. camp you have yeah. there. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so, we, you know, I, and I, I sent in this article and I said, wow, look how they're stopping vaccinations for young men, your age group, because of the increase in myocarditis and, and different adverse effects that were being reported. And we weren't talking about that at all here. And oh, it's, it's, it's quite the opposite yeah. that, that you'd be shut down if you were to, to bring that up. Yeah. And it, it's just a scary, weird time that, you know, you want to believe that they're giving us all the facts and, and giving us all the things that, that we need to make good decisions for ourselves, but they're not. And, you know, when you think about how Israel has come right out and said, and, and I think you in your research found that they were one of the most highly vaccinated countries, mm-hmm. their health experts are reporting that, quote, a fourth booster is not good enough to stop the spread. So if that's not good enough, if nothing is good enough, why is this happening, you know? Yeah, and, and Israel actually is one of the countries that's having the, the worst outbreak right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, like you say, they were you know, get vaccinated early and often. Yeah. And here we are. Sure. (laughs) This is the kind of thing that basically adds to our concerns that you can't trust everything being told to you. Um, You know, we need to be able to question and discern things. I know Fauci has been under scrutiny for some time now, and lately that seems to be ramping up. I hope it continues to ramp up. I I think it will be good for us to do an episode on on him and that situation coming up. And hopefully that doesn't get us a lot of hate mail. <laughs> but, um, you know, I saw that a uh, hundred doctors signed up to support Fauci as he's been taking heat on these congressional hearings or the Senate hearings or whatnot. Um, and, and they tweeted about these hundred doctors coming together like it was a big deal. You mm-hmm. know, like, oh, well, a hundred doctors say it's great. But yet when 60,000 doctors signed the Great Barrington Declaration citing concerns about the policies and his broad brush approach, they were on the fringe. So 60,000 mm. are on the fringe. Um, and, and we found out recently that uh, Fauci and his boss uh, Collins, was it, mm. uh, tried to shut that down and get that out of the, the mainstream media narrative, yeah. the, the Great Barrington Declaration. So, and I, I actually have a little bit that I've um, that I've written down here from that declaration that I, that I'd like to read. So, th- the point of them coming to those sixty thousand doctors coming together was they wanted to bring forth targeted treatment approaches, not keep the lockdowns and other extreme measures. And by the time the declaration was signed, to their opinion and many other people, and a lot of us certainly felt like they'd already gone on longer than necessary. And that was still back in 2020. Wow. Yeah. That, that's what blows my mind is like, even though those were things that we weren't really hearing about back then, that there, there was this pushback really. It was, again, it was just something you felt about. 
But um, that declaration has a little bit less than a million signatures on it right now, the 60,000 doctors and 860,000 concerned citizens. And to quote from it, it was signed on October 4th, 2020. They said at that time, fortunately, our understanding of the virus is growing. We know that vulnerability to death from COVID-19 is more than a thousandfold higher in the old and infirm than the young. Indeed, for children, COVID-19 is less dangerous than many other harms, including influenza. As immunity builds in the population, the risk of infection to all, including the vulnerable, falls. We know that populations will eventually achieve herd immunity, i.e. the point at which the rate of new infections is stable, and that can be assisted by, but not dependent on, a vaccine. Our goal should be, therefore, to minimize mortality and social harm until we reach herd immunity. So, I mean, I, I certainly don't think that we really have reduced social harm in any means, and, and I don't think we reduce mortality a lot either because we know now that, uh, you know, the, the idea of let's not treat you when it gets bad enough, go to the hospital, get a ventilator, H caused a lot more harm than it was worth. And, you know, we'll get into that a little bit further. But and also the the obvious to me, it seems like it's obvious. And I've heard a lot of doctors say it and I believe it that locking up healthy people and forcing everyone to wear masks out in public really is kind of counterintuitive overall. Our immune system stays strong by being challenged. Of course, you know, mm -hmm. you don't want to be stupid. But, you know, with something that you know is, if you are healthy and, you know, not old and you don't have a bunch of other comorbidities and different issues, it's, it's, it's almost more healthy for you to just be out in the normal world, breathing in the air, getting your vitamin D, you know, all that kind of thing. And then that's going to be better for you in the long run. And, you know, some proof is coming out now, and I hope it continues to come out and it's not suppressed, that these one booster after another, after another, you know, possibly even another, is really has a lot of potential to weaken your immune system through, what is it, immune fatigue? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've so heard about that, yeah. I think that makes sense. I mean, you know, again, not a doctor, but it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and that sounds like something maybe we should look into at some point as a as a society and and as people or you know having a society of medical professionals and everything. Maybe yeah. we should take a look into that. And you know, when, and when you think about why they're making us do this, you know, to, I just to be honest, what I have researched and found. In some way, you know, all of it, again, with the money. I mean, somebody is getting rich off of this. A lot of people are getting rich off of it. I think there is a reason that um, Fauci does want us taking vaccines above anything else. Mm -hmm. uh, my understanding from, I, I heard Ben Carson say, Dr. Ben Carson, who I, I respect and believe, he said that one criteria of emergency use authorization is that there can't be therapeutics. Or, or, or other treatments readily available. If you you have to have some reason that you're going to approve emergency use of a basically what is an experimental vaccine, and that's what it is. And so, you know, when you think about that, I mean, to me, it makes a lot of sense that if if all these people stand to get so rich off of this vaccine, naturally they're going to want to suppress anything that would cause them to not make the vaccine the front runner of of dealing with it. And you know, another thing I want to point out is. The in California, our favorite Governor Newsom, um, they they're they're toying around. I don't know whether they've made it official yet, but the idea of twelve year old kids and above being able to be vaccinated without their parents' consent, 
all of that crap. So that is a good idea to him. Mm -hmm. And again, the data does not show that that's important for that age group at all. There's a lot of reasons, in fact, that you might not want it, you know, between the, the myocarditis thing in an age group a little bit older than that. But in addition, it has been found to delay menstrual cycles. I would think that would be important in your 12-year-old daughters yeah, probably, and, and whatnot. Yeah. Who knows what it's going to be like later? You know, but um, uh, it's interesting to me that California is okay with that. And they're okay with mandating pretty much across the board. But one group that didn't have to be mandated was the, the prison guards contractor union who paid a lot into his recall campaign. Hmm. So is it really for us and our safety or is it all kind of tied to some other bottom line? And that's, that's my only issue really, you know, with the mandate is I just feel like if there's any of that shady stuff going on, then, it, then it's not it's not just some for the greater good thing, you oh, know. Absolutely. And 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 plus, if there's any uh, possibility that there's an adverse effect, there should be a choice. You know, it's funny when you sit and you watch TV and they they give you this whole litany disclaimer on any medication that comes across, but you cannot say that about the vaccine. Nope, that's the only one you can't say anything about. And you, uh, I at least I haven't heard of any um, anything like that, like an ad on TV that says and and your possible side effects are, yeah. you know, whatever it is. It's oh, yeah. Everything I've always heard is is that there are no side effects, it's or at least it's perfectly safe. It's this and that, yeah, and I'm and actually on the CDC website, and I, and I heard this off of um, a a, um, a a podcast I listen to all the time. I think at this point there's seventeen thousand adverse effects reported to CDC, and that's just people who report, you mm-hmm. know. And then and I believe it's a little over three hundred deaths actually attributed directly to the vaccine. So I mean that's on the CDC website. So well, you know, I'll, I'll double check it, um, but. You know, if if you've got a situation like that, it should certainly be your choice. And I think it's nice that, um, you know, we've got some people coming out that are against this, that are famous influencers. I'm looking forward to the the Green Bay (laughs) game tonight. Aaron Rodgers is one. Kyrie Irving. I liked Nicki Minaj. You know, I'm like, wow, I never knew how much I liked these people. (laughs) And to say nothing of Joe Rogan, who um, (laughs) he seems to be the go-to guy. If anybody gets uh, gets COVID, everything could be traced back to Joe Rogan uh, on the treatment side. Mm -hmm. You know, when Aaron Rodgers got it, apparently he called uh, Joe Rogan. and, And if anybody in the NFL gets it, then apparently they call Aaron Rodgers and Candace Owens called uh, Dana White, who got it, and who and he called uh, Joe Rogan and Tim Pool was in contact with Joe Rogan, and mm-hmm. there, you know everybody, everybody's taking the you know the Joe Rogan treatment. Yeah, and, and I, I heard that his episode where, and we'll talk about that uh, Doctor McCullough mm-hmm. guy because he's all over my Fauci book that I have, and <laughs> I've listened to so many podcasts. He's like the number one guest right now on everyone's program, but. Um, I think that they say that that Joe Rogan episode got 50 million. Probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so and, which, which I think goes to show that there's such a, a, a dearth of information out there that we that people are just starving for it. Mm-hmm. And, and here's somebody who just comes out and talks normally about it. And and he has such a large audience that that he can do that. Yeah. Um, but how about we um, how about we. Set the uh, set some definitions and and uh, statistics here. See what we can yeah um, discern we can for discern ourselves from all yeah. this. Uh, so you're you're sitting down, got your seatbelt on. Yeah, this is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the main thing, 
is that coronavirus is not a moral virus. I've heard a lot of people keep saying that, oh, I've done everything possible and I still got it. Well, it doesn't、That's、have、okay. anything to do、yeah. with all your, your procedure. <laughs> yeah, you're not a bad person. You get it. We'll probably all get it eventually with this、uh, coronavirus that's going around. The Omicron is going around right now. And that's. Uh, you know, it's it's、uh, it's so virulent that we'll probably all get it or a version of it.、Mm-hmm. If not now, then later, probably.、Yeah. It's really kind of a gift, this strain, really. I、yeah. mean, that's the way I'm looking at it. My grandmother yeah, got this strain. She just turned 94. She's okay. <laughs> She is okay. And、yeah. she's in the she's in the the risk group、yeah. uh, that um, we're trying to uh, to protect as yeah, well. And so、God. she's fine. She, yeah. Um, you might find that sometimes this is called the CCP virus,、mm-hmm. and that started to come out、um, after、um, I think it was Trump and,、uh, and Pelosi and a bunch of people at CNN and MSNBC were calling it the, you know, the China virus or the Wuhan virus.、Mm-hmm. Uh, the CCP virus,、uh, you'll find a lot of, of、uh, organizations that are not entirely friendly to the virus. To Chinese Communist Party calling it that because、mm-hmm. they realize that it's probably something that came from the Chinese Communist Party and not, you know, the Chinese people itself. Yeah. You know, they,、um, that's a whole other discussion about the origins.、Um, and the, what we're calling the vaccine, you know, air quotes here,、mm-hmm. is, is it's really a therapeutic, it's really not intended to cure anything. That was something I wanted to mention also because I was listening to a Charlie Kirk podcast and he had this、um, really great guest on, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. And she said something which it's funny because I guess it should be clear, but she said, you know, the Webster definition、uh, basically of efficacy when it comes to a vaccine is that the vaccine provides antibodies. That's <laughs> effective when it comes to a vaccine. It does not mean you won't get the virus. And that sounds fine to me, but that's what we were told. Yeah. We were told, you know, if you get this vaccine, oh, you won't get it. You can't spread it to anybody. They're going to be great. Yeah, that was pretty much a guarantee that we got. Yeah. And so、um, cases are defined as a set of objective criteria, such as symptoms.、Um, it's verified through testing. And a new test or a new case、uh, of infection is one in which there's no evidence of previous infection.、Um, I did a bit of summarizing from the、uh, CDC website where,、mm-hmm. where that was defined, as well as real definitions, yeah. Yeah, the、uh, a death、um, from or with COVID,、um, a, a COVID death, we'll call it, is one where COVID is a contributing or associated factor, even if it's not the primary cause.、Mm-hmm. And that's a change. That's not normally how this works. I mean, if somebody. Um, if somebody has a heart attack and drops dead, you know, right there, then there might be some underlying condition as to, as to what caused that heart attack, which might be listed on the, on the death certificate,、um, as maybe even a, you know, secondary cause, but,、um, it's never been, it's never been reported on a death certificate that, that a、mm-hmm. minor secondary cause was the primary cause. Yeah. And I think there's going to be a lot and you'll get into it a little bit here, but even I, I believe there's going to be a whole lot that's going to come out more、mm-hmm. about those numbers could possibly have been pretty darn inflated about what COVID deaths really are. And, you know, there, I mean, do you remember when we had that live time ticker? Oh yeah, yeah on, on CNN weird, yeah. it was just、uh, it was just keep crazy on every、yeah. ch- every TV channel. Yeah, let's really pump、much. them full of the fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so、um, some of the procedures like the six foot rule, we're all supposed to stay six feet away、mm-hmm. from each other, or we're gonna die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that that seemed more or less arbitrary.、Uh, there's 
if you go into a, let's say you go to the grocery store, there's an infinite number of variables there. There's the airflow. There's a number of people. There's the, where they're, where they're walking. There's the shelves. There's the ceiling height. There's, mm, yeah. there's all kinds of different variables. So you can't necessarily uh, control for all of those and come up with one standard uh, for everywhere. Cause if you go to, you go to one, one store on one side of town, go to another store on the other side of town. It's completely different. The airflow is completely different. And, and hey. so you might, you might have a pocket in one store where you, where some of these viruses might, uh, might naturally be because there's not enough airflow. You go to another store and, and it's like the, the air changes over every two minutes yeah. or something and, like and that. And the, the, all of the stuff that they told us to do and that they continue to tell us to, it, it, it's all just, it's got that psychological element to it that you need to be thinking about all of this stuff now. Oh, absolutely. Life is not the same. There is something around you, you know, and it's just, it's mm-hmm. just a strange, it really is damaging. And, yeah. you know, that's going to be another thing that's going to come out, I think, that just walking around with your, you know, identity covered, basically, <laughs> your face is covered up. Right. You're, you know, staying away from everybody. Don't hug your grandmother. Oh, yeah. You know, all these strange things. All that, yeah, all that, all that strange stuff. And, and I found that, um, uh, that some of these virus particles, if you want to call them that, can go up to 26 feet. So, you know, now we're technically 20 feet closer to each other. Yeah. And then there was the three foot um, rule in schools where the kids have to stay three feet, of, three feet apart from each other. But that's more of a, uh, it's more of a convenience. Cause if you have a classroom and you have all the kids staying six feet apart mm-hmm. from there, you get like, you get like eight people in the classroom. Yeah, and, and, I, I and remember, so if you put, yeah. if you, if you make them closer together, then, then you can fit all, the entire class in there. So yeah. it's really for convenience. Which was important to do. Yeah. You know, and no, I, was... I remember people trying to like configure their classrooms and they, like, they're out there with tape measures and stuff trying <laughs> to see how am I going to achieve this six feet? And they did that for, you know, days or hours, however long it took these teachers to try and yeah. constantly react to this crap. And then, and like, oh, actually, now it's going to be three feet. All right, well, then that's far more achievable. Yeah, yeah, fix yeah, it. but it can't be two feet yeah, 11. But there's just, it's just, it's, it's, you know, I mean, not helpful. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Yeah. So all this data, I, I've got a lot of this off the CDC website just because it's a um, repository of all the information. Um, take it with, with a grain of salt on some of this stuff. Um but look it up. But look know? it up. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely look it up. Um, and and don't just use the CDC. Maybe there's another another source to to find better information mm-hmm. out there too. Uh, but I did find that the, that the feds took over centralized data handling in March of 2020. Uh, before that, the states were just kind of reporting themselves. Good old centralization oh, at the Fed absolutely. level. Absolutely, huh? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the CDC gets case reports of the individuals, and Health and Human Services gets hospital uh, reports um, every day or every week. Um, Depending on what the data is, they have to report either every day or every week. And I've seen some of the, um, some of the databases uh, that, that are collected there and the forms, and there's literally hundreds of data points uh, that are, that are captured. And now not all of them obviously are are filled in, but there's there's just uh, um, I think 130 some data points that are that are captured. I think mm. in one form. Um, so there's all, all kinds of possibilities of of um, of how to report this. But there might be a 40 percent overage in reported cases, depending the way that it was defined and the way it was reported. 40 percent. There might be. Mm. We don't know. Finding oh. <laughs> it, finding that out might be difficult because that would involve going back to back to data that's already been captured mm-hmm. and trying to reanalyze that. So 
you and I keep talking about follow the money. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, uh, to provide a, a better, uh, larger uh, capacity for the, ho- for the uh, hospitals, then, uh, then they ceased elective procedures. You know, elective in this case is, is pretty much like, you're not going to die tomorrow, but you still need this. So they ceased a lot of those, um, a lot of those procedures. And the government started to pay hospitals $39,000 for a COVID patient. I believe it's a COVID death, mm-hmm. whereas before they pay 13000 without. So, so the money that came in was three times as much. And if the person had COVID, therefore the making COVID. it a little bit um, kind of incentivizing to uh, yeah. report the COVID or, you know, I mean, it, it may not even, it, it, it's, it's not really, it, the whole with versus from argument. Right, exactly. And, and that's something that's come out more recently. I think Fauci a, a week or two ago said something about, uh, you know, well, it's not necessarily everybody in the hospital is yeah. in there because of COVID. They're there with COVID. Yeah. And, and I, that's where I, yeah. the statistics are. And speaking of that, I think you and I have both talked about the fact that it's there's a lot of like all of the sudden they're ready to backpedal and tell us some of the truths that we kind of yeah. knew, you know, 18 <laughs> months ago or so. And, and now they're starting to come clean with it. And I, I think the only reason for that can be they sense the floodgates opening. I mean, I hope that enough mm-hmm. pressure is being put on them, whether it be from, uh, you know, the Senate or whomever is expecting them to be accountable and we the people. I hope, oh, yeah. I know I've written a few <laughs> strongly worded letters. So, <laughs> yeah. So the, uh, and, and that's exactly what it is. I think that's a recurring fact here is, is uh, we knew this two years ago, I mm-hmm. think is a, is a recurring theme here. Um, so the with versus from, it, it's a crazy thing. It's a, it's a matter of semantics. Uh, the famous one is that a motorcyclist uh, died in Florida um, in a car or in a motorcycle accident, uh, but he was ruled to have died from COVID. And uh, that was a big, that was a big thing. A motorcyclist. A motorcyclist. And and so the, the, um, uh, the health officer down there um, uh, says that the death count at the time was a hundred. And he says, quote, it does not make any difference if it's 99, but the validity that the fact that the individual didn't die from COVID-19, he died in a crash, but you could actually argue uh, that it could have been COVID nineteen that caused <laughs> wow. him to crash, so I don't know th- what the con- or I don't know the conclusion of that one. Yeah. Um, Later, it which, was removed from the count. Yeah. yeah. So, so they 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 went back. I'm sure after public pressure, and they then they took one off there for for this guy. And uh, the conditions changed uh, to uh, because COVID nineteen is listed as the immediate or underlying cause of death or listed as one of the significant conditions contributing to death and not uh, a larger cause like a crash or an overdose. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they kind of re, um, reworked their definition of death there. Yeah. Um, and more recently, I believe this past October, um, October 7th, the 14-year-old uh, Nathaniel Spitzer in Edmonton, Alberta, uh, died from COVID. Um, but his family went on uh, Facebook and said, uh, no, actually... He had terminal brain cancer, and the doctor gave him like five months to live. Fortunately, uh, he lived for nine months, mm-hmm. um, but his uh, his siblings strongly objected to him being labeled as a, a COVID, COVID death because yeah. he was tested two days before he died. But yeah, um, but yeah, it was just it was a sad, sad situation there. But um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure they were trying to get some money off of that, yeah. and uh, and and listed him that. But they. Uh, 
there was an apology in a review, and um, and officially it was found that he didn't it, the COVID didn't tr- contribute to his death. Yeah. And it was, so, yeah, and it's just a shame. Like we don't know these things. These right, things are exactly. not readily reported to us. So we just sit here and assume that mm-hmm. okay, well they're telling us all these people are just dropping dead of COVID left and right. So <laughs> I guess that's what we should believe. And, yeah, exactly. You know, maybe and, not. And, uh, you know, like I say, Fauci admits that uh, not everybody is there uh, from COVID. He's, you know, people are there with COVID, which is different. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not sure how the data can be reconciled. Um, you'd have to go back and talk to and, and look at every case and well, see yeah. if there's a way to, to figure out whether they're with or from um, beyond just the death certificate. Yeah. So it's... Um, well, we, you know, we, we, we know that he, the... Uh the challenges of going back to yeah. fix something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah. And, and that that's not something that, uh, well, I'm not a data analyst, and I'm sure that, or a forensic data analyst at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not sure, you know, what what could be done about that. Well, I, I don't know. You know, we can get into a little bit of the uh, the, the treatments and therapeutics um, that, that we really should have been hearing more about and uh, understanding from the beginning, Um I, I'm sitting here, I, I just have to say, I don't know what, how we're doing on time, but Bill is very organized and has a paper and a microphone in front of him. I've got uh, all these papers, a book in front of me with highlights. I, I feel like I didn't prepare as well as Bill did. But <laughs> no, we're all, we, uh, we're taking over the dining room table here yeah. one way or the other. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, one of the things that I, I wanted to make sure that, um, you know, we talked about in this because I'm so into this book, uh, I'm reading the uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., The Real Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, Big Pharma, and the Global War on Democracy and Public Health. I've barely gotten into this book at all, mm-hmm. which is why I think it'd be great to, you know, both of us take a look at it and do another um, episode on kind of just this almost. But yeah. I, I do want to point out that from the beginning of this back in 2020, there were three prominent doctors that came up from the beginning raising concerns about why Dr. Fauci wouldn't have supported repurposing of medicines. You know, why didn't he call for some kind of communications network possibly linking the 11 million doctors that were treating patients around the world to, you know, collaborate on this, provide tips, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, that kind of thing. Um, I know that this Dr. McCullough that we talked about a little bit um, used his own money to create a YouTube video showing four slides from his peer review study, um, which was doctors were he was trying to teach other doctors to use these miraculous benefits of early treatment with hydroxychloroquine and other remedies the video went viral with hundreds of thousands of downloads youtube pulled it two days later so you know we have been conditioned to believe that anything about this is is misinformation and it's stupid and all this other stuff but um it's not actually true i can tell you that um Dr. McCullough says that they were able to show that doctors could work with four to six drugs in combination supplemented by vitamins and um, nutraceuticals, including zinc, vitamins D and C and Qseritin. And they can guide patients at home, even the highest risk seniors and avoided the dreaded outcome of hospitalization and death. And again, I will say this about my grandmother. She is in a, a an assisted living facility now. I'm I'm so grateful that she didn't get one of the earlier strains, which may have been more deadly. You know, she's had a flu shot, which is normal for her. And um, she contracted the, I guess, the Omicron variant um, right after Christmas. And that is exactly how they treated her. 
And after nine days, she tested negative twice. They sent her back to her room. So, nice. you know, good that they were that they were able to have that. But then another thing that Dr. McCullough talked about is it's it's a basically it's, you know, a virus. It's like living and fermenting in your nose. You clean your nose out. You know, that's kind of like one of the early parts of the, the treatment. But it's fascinating. And, you know, we'll point you to other um sources if if folks want to know more about it and i I don't want to belabor it and go on forever but i will i'd like to read this out of um this book real quickly so that we know what the um the treatment of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine were specifically because that's you know they've come up forever i know trump was completely you know just bashed to hell through the media you know injecting bleach and whatever other stupid things but he, Dr. McCullough says, we treated 715 patients and had 10 hospitalizations, no deaths. Early treatment was the key. We weren't allowed to talk about it. The whole medical establishment was trying to shut down early treatment and silence all the doctors who talked about successes. A whole generation of doctors just stopped practicing medicine. When we talked about it, the whole cartel came for us. And he says that he's been in litigation with the medical board for a year. And that is not an unusual story either. Um, I remember at the beginning of all this, and there were there were doctors whose names I've long since forgotten who said, you know, I used to treat people with hydroxychloroquine, and it was almost 100% success rate. You get in there and and you treat them, and and uh, life is grand. Yeah. And then they were just shut down. We couldn't even we couldn't even talk about that. Yeah. Which and, is a yeah. shame because that might have uh, that might have led to some really good outcomes for people. Yeah. I mean, they they go on to say that nobody uh, they didn't want Americans to know that you didn't have to die from COVID. Mm-hmm. It is one hundred percent treatable. Um, and I, I wish I had found the actual evidence in the podcast episode that I listened to with Dr. Zelenko, where he indicated, and this was early on, there was a state in India that totally eradicated this really early based on these therapeutics. In fact, even China ended their whole, quote, pandemic in April 2020 through this exact thing. They gave early treatments. They had a very stringent track and, you know, uh, trace protocol Mm -hmm. and they were able to get out of it in that amount of time but you know uh, so here we are with these with the success showing with early treatment and therapeutics yet there's lots of bad vaccine side effects these this dr brownstein indicates that they'd seen um they saw seven strokes some ending in severe paralysis three cases of pulmonary embolism two blood clots two cases of graves disease hey i see graves disease commercials on tv a whole lot more now oh interesting I don't know if you notice that like if you have graves disease you could have this and that never even heard of the disease <laughs> now all of a sudden it's cropping up so anyway um this is the thing. I mean, like, why why were we not a little bit more innovative in allowing scientists to be scientists and doctors right. to be doctors? You right, know? Exactly. And, Instead, and, it's like toe the line. Right. And and maybe this stuff works. Maybe it doesn't. But I don't think it was given a chance to to either work or not work. It was immediately shut down. Yeah. And and uh, they, they also they, they say, again, with the follow the money that, you know, all of the the large universities that rely on so much funding from the NIH were just like antagonistic about this whole thing. There, there wasn't a single academic institution that came up with a single protocol. Why? So it just makes you think that it doesn't sound a whole lot like the establishment. I mean, I don't know what else to call it, but it doesn't sound like they wanted us to be cured. It doesn't sound like they really wanted the doctors to figure out what was best for us. It sounds like they wanted to sell a vaccine. That's yeah. what it seems like to me. That's uh, 
<laughs> we put on our tinfoil hats at this point. Yeah, but, I'm, uh, this is but, the point in the program. Yeah, this is the point in the program where we all put on our tinfoil hats. But <laughs> but it sure you follow the money, and it sure seems like that because ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine are really cheap. Yeah, I mean, really cheap and and readily available across the entire yeah. world. And even now, I mean, like they're they're coming out with the Pfizer pill, you know, right, and that, that's cool. Is, I appreciate that. That's great. And, th- and then they say that's pretty effective, but still. Um, I don't know whether that was the one or whether it was a different one that Pfizer was basically um, uh, going to come out with their own version of ivermectin. Yeah. yeah they called it Pfizermectin. People called it Pfizermectin. That, obviously, that wasn't the brand name, but but it was like the, the same thing, except we're going to charge, you know, however much it is, a whole ton, a hundred times more for yeah. this. Mm-hmm. And uh, instead of instead of something cheap. But uh, yeah. But like I say, you know, um, the anecdotal evidence sure seems like it works. Um, I don't think it's been studied enough. It would be nice to study to say whether this is actual, like real or not, or whether it's a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Don't know. That would be that. It would be nice if we could do that. It would, yeah, just to have a little bit of truth. Yeah, and it's and we don't expect you to be, you know, <laughs> to know everything right off the bat. That's why the American public was very much going along with whatever. Right, exactly. We know and, you don't know everything. That's fine. We'll do our part. But you know. Oh, Okay. And guess what? You know, if, if they study, yeah, if they studied some of these things, like the, you know, like the like his um, recommendation of the of the of the treatment course and everything, and Joe Rogan's, and everybody else's. Scott Atlas, I think, has another one out mm-hmm. there. Everybody's got one that that they say works if they treat if they if somebody, a scientist, an actual scientist, uh, looks at these and says, ah, oh, actually, this this doesn't work, then guess what? That's a result that we can live with. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. We'll move on. We'll move yeah. on. We'll move on. We, you know, we're not, uh, we're not trying to, uh, to harm people by just making them take some kind of chemical, but, mm-hmm. uh, but anyway, uh, take off our tinfoil hats and, and uh, go back to the CDC website, yeah. but keep the, keep the tinfoil hats <laughs> nearby handy. at yeah. arm's reach. <laughs> so right now uh, there are about Fifty-two and a half million infections of COVID nineteen uh, that are reported on the CDC website. That's about fifteen point eight percent of the population. Mm. Now, there's there's kind of a an unusual little data blip, if you want to call it that, the data irregularity with the with the CDC stuff because uh, there's two numbers. Fifty-two and a half million is is what the CDC is reporting. Uh, but there's 68.7 million official total, and the 52.5 million is just with the demographic data, the uh, age, sex, and uh, and um, geography, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, so I'll I'll let you know which one's which. Um, what they're reporting is 52.5 million people who are um, uh, who have an infection that breaks down to 43.8 million adults and 8.7 million children. And the children are, um, you know, under 18, 17 or under, of course, uh, 16.5% of the total cases are those. So that's 16.8% or 16.5% of the 52.5 million. Scotland actually has, has, um, reported the fewest cases in the unvaccinated. So there's uh, the people who are vaccinated in, in, in Scotland are, are actually outnumbering the, uh, those who are unvaccinated. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a there's a bit of an accounting trick there because they're not counting somebody who's vaccinated until they've had, you know, the second dose uh-huh. and, and everything's all like officially vaccinated. So, so if you've had one shot yesterday, you're unvaccinated. So they're saying that there are more cases in people who have been vaccinated with 
the original and the booster or two. Right. There you go. Yeah. So. So, and I mean, that so brings me back to the point of that I, that I hope that more research is done so that we can feel comfortable with, uh, with an outcome. But could that possibly mean that that, you know, constant poke, poke, <laughs> messing with your immune system, are you bringing it down and making yourself more vulnerable, actually? To picking it up. It could be. This yeah. is this is another thing that, that uh, doctors need to study that I'd like yeah. to see some some actual medical science on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't know. Now, infections here in the unvaccinated people could be 50%. I've heard uh, of doctors saying it's up to 80%. I don't have any actual data. Mm-hmm. Uh, the CDC um, data only goes up to Christmas, which um, as of today, that's about, let's call that a month ago. Um, and at that point, the unvaccinated cases and deaths were about four times higher than the vaccinated. Mm-hmm. But that was just as this Omicron was was starting. So they, they, it could uh, that could change the data. Yeah. We don't know. We'll, we'll probably in a couple of months we'll know. But in addition to that, you know, whatever they're reporting still, you know, has not been cleaned up enough to the point that you know if these people. I mean, they've also come right out and said that of the deaths, of course, you know, you're still mm-hmm. talking about only only cases. So I guess I, I shouldn't speak too soon. But of of the, the deaths, these people had, you know, major comorbidities for or more. Yeah, to something die. like that. So, you yeah, know, something to, to like get scared 90. about the cases isn't necessarily, I don't know. I mean, that's the way right, I look exactly. at it. But, yeah, exactly. I think a lot of people are focusing on the cases because it's a big, scary number. And, Ooh, and right now it has 52 had and a half million people. Ooh. Yeah. And it has, you know, because of the Omicron variant being so transmissible. Yeah, right, it's been a right, spike, exactly. so I get and it, it. And it is a big, scary number, which, you know, a number of those people, you know, do lead to death. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, exactly. Like you were saying that, that I think 97% of the people had four more comorbidities. Yeah, it's kind uh, of a lot. Which, uh, which is kind of a lot. Yeah. Uh, but as far as deaths go right now, again, uh, the CDC is reporting 727,000 where demographic data is available. Officially, um, it's eight hundred and fifty-six thousand total, but mm-hmm. um, uh, but I'm going with the seven hundred twenty-seven thousand uh, just for this because that's where we know we can break it down a little farther. Mm-hmm. Adults, there's been uh, seven hundred twenty-six thousand, and children about twelve hundred. And so, and that's, yeah. uh, that's under eighteen, about yeah, twelve hundred. Twelve hundred, and and my understanding of that number is that not a single actual healthy child in this country has died from COVID, just having COVID and died. Yeah, and it has not happened. You know, I mean these these children unfortunately had other issues going on in addition and 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 that majorly contributed in the and I think those are going to be a lot that come out if it can be proven died with covid not from it and and that's been something that has really driven me nuts mm-hmm. about people's willingness to keep the kids um dealing with such crazy you yeah. know things in in my opinion but and, I, and I, I'm going to tell this quick story um I, I was involved in a it was a it was a little like church group and I, I was, you know, talking to these folks and we were having like an online little chat thing and they mentioned that they were going to be bringing the kids back in for the preschool thing or whatever. And they said, but everybody's got to wear masks and there's this and there's that. And, and, and at the time we didn't have a mandate in the county or the state. And so I, you know, took myself off mute and I chimed in and I said, you know, um, do you guys do you think it shouldn't factor into the decision that. Um, you know, children are not found so often to carry it at the time that was being said and, and that their, mm-hmm. their risk for, you know, real terrible sickness or death is like pretty much nil. 
And, and, and one of them's, and, and, and they said, well, and I, I mean, I totally get it. I'm a parent too. I understand. But, and she says, well, Deb, I mean, if there's even, I mean, I don't care if it just like any percent at all, if there's any possibility at all, I just don't want to have that on my conscience. Well, I too do not want to kill or harm my child. I understand where you're coming from, but you know, like, like, you know, the, the, Probably, you know, I think yeah. we're going to find out in the end, was it really a good idea to keep these kids with masks on their faces and, and kept away from everything for a couple of years? Oh, yeah. Or, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe it really did more harm than good. I mean, especially because to me, it, it just matters so much to tie the data specifically with children to the the deaths that we have seen a major uptick in in suicides drug use, the mental health, you know, I mean, there are not enough mental health experts anymore now to treat our kids yeah, that are going through some major stuff because of this. And so I just say, you know, can we weigh the two here? I'm not like, you know, trying to say, you know, let your kid go outside nude in the cold. He's not going to get sick or something, you know, but within reason, this is just, there is a trade-off for what we're doing to these kids. Oh, absolutely. And interestingly, I saw it was a couple of weeks ago or, or you know, around the around the, the first of the year, uh, they have all these, you know, what to expect in 2022 sort mm-hmm. of a thing, what to expect in the new year. And they said that the that last year and 2020 was the year of COVID. And then this coming year, 2022, would be the year of the mental health mm. to and, and I read the article and it was almost like they were trying to undo all the harm that was done on relatively on purpose in mm-hmm. the past two years. Uh, so that really, that really speaks to yeah. that uh, people know that there's, that there's stuff happening out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. And, and as far as the, um, as far as the deaths go, like I say, that the children are, are 0.014% of total deaths. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's where COVID is listed as a as the cause that you know, and again the, yeah the which I think that's going to come argument. out yeah. yeah the whole with and from argument yeah. keep that in your mind yeah um, now England and Wales so, but and then, but one one more thing here I don't think we said yet the overall death rate like oh, yes. I, I yeah, was yeah. saying in Austria that was a 0.9 percent death mm-hmm. rate that they're going to all those measures for here it looks like our overall death rate is 1.38 percent yes if if of all the cases, 1.38% of them end in death, mm-hmm. um, and that is 0.2% of the population. So out of every 1,000 people, then you would expect two people mm-hmm. to die. So then, it, like, you know, you, t- you tie it back to what I was saying about Bill Maher in the beginning, mm-hmm. like when, when they're polling people, like basically depending on your political leanings and the news you watch, you might have a completely... Uh, you know, blown up view of just how dangerous and bad yeah. this is. And, you know, it's, it, it sucks that it's here. It shouldn't be, you yeah. know. And so I'm not saying that it isn't a big deal. It certainly is. But we have to have real facts to understand this. And I I'm, thank God, I think finally <laughs> people are starting to see that enough that we're going to push back and get some of these answers, I hope. Right, exactly. And this uh, this 1.38% really hasn't moved very much over the past year. It was 1.34% or something like mm-hmm. that a year ago. Uh, don't quote me on that, but but it was once we knew how many people were dying, how many people were were catching it, then we kind of settled into this low one percent mm-hmm. uh, sort of a uh, sort of a figure, and it's gone up and and down a little bit. Um, it's probably going to go down with Omicron, but we don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the statistics here are 
you know, are, are lagging because obviously people still have to report all this stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in England and Wales, um, 17,371 were listed as a COVID death where they only, um, the only cause of death was COVID. That compares to 174,000, um, where COVID was listed on the death certificate mm-hmm. and 127,704 excess deaths. So what is an excess death? That is, it's just. It's a statistical, um, uh, what do you want to call it? Like a uh, like deaths um, like above what they normally would, uh, right. would expect so, in a year or something. Exactly. So you can average. You can average based on a population. Let's say in in England and Wales, you'd have so many deaths per year. You can statistically look back and find that that that's how many it was, and then you can look at at the past couple of years. And see that there's 127,000 more than what you would have ordinarily expected, and mm-hmm. you can reasonably attribute that to to okay. a COVID death, mm-hmm. sort of. Um, there's also um, a a way to look at that 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 there would have been people who would have died this year anyway from something. Let's mm-hmm. say they had a heart attack; uh, they would have died this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a heart attack, but COVID got them. Yeah. And so that that's, you know, that wouldn't necessarily show up as an excess death. So mm-hmm. that's not necessarily the best way to look at, at all COVID deaths, but it's a good indication. Yeah. So there's about a, about yeah, 110,000 uh, fewer deaths mm-hmm. than the excess deaths uh, where, where COVID is listed as the, as the mm-hmm. only cause. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I say, 174 where it's a, where it's yeah. a contributing cause. So, so there's kind of a, um, a statistical anomaly there that we might, if we were to ana- analyze what we have here, we might find that kind of the same thing that that um, not everybody died of COVID. Yeah, they, they and so it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of a way to you know maybe an easier way than backtracking and actually looking at every record and like going mm-hmm. through people's medical histories and to your point of like having to go back and figure out yeah, how yeah. are we going to clean this up? Yeah, that would take that would take I don't know how long. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, it seems like a better like higher level way of figuring that out. But then you know your next point of. Um, like we were saying with the trade-offs, like how many people couldn't go to the hospital to get treatments either because the hospital wasn't available to them. Um, you know, and, and it's not only the hospital, it's the doctor's office. Like I, I can't tell you how long my grandmother went without being able to go to the regular doctor right. because the doctor was acting like he, you know, I was like afraid to see somebody. And of course th- these are old people. I mean, this is a geriatric doctor guy, you know? So, um, you know, I get it, but I was really irritated because right before the COVID thing hit, she had a massive fall and was in the hospital for like a week. And, you know, then when we got out, I'm like trying to do follow-ups and stuff. And it was just, I I couldn't get it done. I, I felt, I felt like a failure as like her caretaker, you know, but I mean, it was just like a brick wall everywhere you went. Yeah, and yeah, and so just because to, people can't, uh, people won't or can't get you that uh, that treatment. Yeah, I mean, it was like they, they, you know, well, the doctor is seeing patients four months out at this point because I mean, like <laughs> only one person they, they had five doctors in that office. Only one of them would maintain being able to come in and have real office hours. And I mean, my grandmother, she can't work a cell phone. You know what I mean? She's not going to sit and have a telemedicine appointment. You got to be sitting right next to her for her to hear you. The whole thing. I'm like, how many people is this really working for that are in their 90s is this really working yeah it's probably working pretty well for the you know the 20 somethings who are yeah who are, you just pull up something on the yeah, tablet like here's and, my elbow it has yeah, a, yeah. you know whatever i don't yeah, know yeah. But, yeah something like that but, but uh, I, I see you've got here that the the who thinks that there might have been fifty thousand more cancer deaths 
due right. to people not being able to get their regular treatments and stuff. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, or, yeah. Or somebody's, Again, with the trade-off. Yeah, yeah, somebody's at home and they, they, have, a, they have a pain or something irregular. and, and like, They're oh, afraid yeah, to go I, out. You know, afraid, to, yeah. afraid to go there. They can't go there. There's a lack of testing. There's a delay in diagnosis. And, uh, you know, by the time that things start to open up, uh, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's too late. Mm-hmm. That's terrible. And so as far as, as far as hospitalizations, we covered the infections, we covered the deaths and, and the hospitalizations, um, are, are another interesting statistic there. There's about, I found there's about 6,100 hospitals in the U S uh, the report dated to health and human services. Um, about 21% of inpatient bed use is for COVID. So that's mm-hmm. about 158,000 out of 777,000 um, inpatient beds are currently being used for COVID. Is that like, so that's basically, did did they decide to section that much off? Or is that just happened to be that what they're using their beds for? I is, don't know. I, yeah. I interpreted that as, of all the beds in the hospital... Um, then they're using 21% so, of them okay, as, so it's as not as if they beds. said, we're using 20%. This is our 20% COVID ward. It just happens to be that the math shows 21% of beds are used for inpatient COVID. Right. Okay, and and they, they also, they also report, um, total patient beds. Um, I don't, I don't have that, that statistic right mm-hmm. off, but, um, um, but I think it's it's like an eighty percent uh, capacity or eighty percent usage of of inpatient beds or mm-hmm. being used for like just general stuff. Used, somebody yeah. uh you know somebody has a car accident they're mm-hmm. they're being used in in one of those beds. Now about thirty two percent are staffed ICU beds used for COVID, and that's uh, twenty six thousand out of eighty three thousand. Mm-hmm. And I focus on staffed because it's not really reported, but it did come up. Um, in sort of a sort of a footnote and sort of a, a data label uh, that I was looking at in, in um, the HHS, and that is that is a obviously somebody who's who's you know taking care of that person in that in that ICU bed, mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's all the beds that that they have. Yeah. So I looked at a couple of of um, actually three hospitals that are that are nearby here. One in in uh, Frederick County, Maryland, one in Carroll County, and one in Washington County. And Frederick County is, has been reporting 100% um, ICU capacity, or they're, you know, they're, they're at capacity mm-hmm. for I don't know how long, months and months and months. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's staffed beds. Uh, but there's, there is a variability in, in their reported number of beds, because they also report how, how many number of beds. And so sometimes it's it's like nine and sometimes it's 12 and mm-hmm. sometimes it's 15 and sometimes it's 18. And the reason for that is because they have to have the staff. Right. To right. Make so, it, okay. so if you have, uh, if you have the staff to take care of these people, then they're, then they're that ICU That becomes bed. an ICU bed. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, Got it. um, and you know, I, I've, so frankly, to the, say that it's at hundred percent, it's going to be at a hundred percent in a way, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. We need this many. This is how many right. and it I've, is today. I've, uh, I've driven by the hospital on occasion and I don't see them, you know, like doing construction to build like three more beds and then like a yeah. week later, tearing that down and take out three beds and then building five more beds. And then, and then the next <laughs> week, like take out, you know, de- demolish that and. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't know the inner workings of the hospital and everything, but when, when sometimes it's eight beds and sometimes it's nine and sometimes it's 18 and sometimes it's 14. Yeah. And so it must be because of the staff fluctuation. It must be because of the because staff. Of the, yeah. No, Carroll County, uh, they're 90 to hundred percent capacity. Um, uh, but they're pretty steady at, at, they're, they're reporting about 10 beds. 
um, and Meredith in Washington County, uh, they're pretty steady at 24 and they're at 100 percent capacity. Mm-hmm. So uh, so the staffed beds um, seem to be the indication there. Um, and the, th- the, the thing that strikes me about that, and I might be wrong, I'm just this is the first time I'm seeing this data, you know, from you. And but it, that makes me feel like it, that is a number that, again, it just it kind of sounds scarier mm-hmm. when when you just hear that the hospital is at 100% capacity of their their, their beds. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I don't know why that, that is not registering for me as being, I mean, of course it's a big deal, but at the same time, I mean, I'd almost like to wonder to go back and, and see, like, what is it normally? Because clearly yeah. the hospital is not going to employ <laughs> people that aren't generally working with an ICU patient, you know what I mean? So I right. would think... That it's, it, I mean, I don't know. I, I, That's kind of my theory, too, yeah. is because nurses are very expensive. Yeah. And and so I wouldn't, if I were a hospital, I wouldn't have just like all kinds of nurses just kind of standing around waiting for ICU patients. Yeah. It's like going to Walmart and and there's, there's you know, 37 lanes at Walmart mm-hmm. and there's four of them are open. Yeah, you're not going to have all 37 cashiers if it's Tuesday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're going to have, yeah, you're yeah. Gonna have four of them and they're, you know, you might have to wait a little while, yeah. but you're going to get through. And, yeah. and uh, but so that's how I've been looking at it as a supply and demand uh, kind of a thing. And just yeah. for just, you know, here in Maryland, um, uh, 479 out of 1,280 staffed beds are for are being occupied for, um, or staffed ICU beds rather are being occupied for COVID. So that so. sounds like what is that? A little less than a third? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. It's um. Uh, so there's there's capacity. It seems. Yeah. Um. There's there's people in there. Um. <laughs> and we were talking Good. about the you know the kids earlier. Um those under 18 and in hospitalization CDC reports 6,326 children under 18 um, have had COVID associated hospitalization since March 7th, 2020. I've heard a statistic here uh, from a uh, certain Supreme court justice that that was currently well over a hundred thousand. I'm not seeing that if anybody has that data that shows that, uh, that that was over a hundred thousand. I'd kind of like to see it because oh, I, yeah, I might be yeah, looking at ju- Justice Sotomayor. So, yeah, right exactly. now we have a hundred thousand kids in the hospital. Mm. Really? That's insane. Yeah, so I, I mean, how can somebody at that at that level spew something like yeah. that, completely unfounded, and yet, like you know, we're going to be in trouble for misinformation <laughs> probably after this. You know, exactly. That's, exactly. that's what's that's, really uh, sick. And that's not just, from what I can tell, that's not currently 6,326 kids. That's total. Of all, since, in almost two years. Yeah, almost yeah. two years. Mm-hmm. In, in a, you know, a year and 10 months, yeah. it's been 6,326. Yeah. Um, and now getting into the deaths. Oh, yeah. But anyhow, yeah, speaking so the, of, and, and the deaths of, like, you're getting ready to get into some, like, healthy people who have died. Right. And that's another reason, it, like, ties back to the mandate, if there's any possibility that this is something that we don't need because we don't paint these kinds of things with these huge broad treatment brushes everybody gets the same thing whether you're able-bodied and healthy and you're an athlete at the peak of your life or if you're a 94 year old woman you know steps away from death already or you know whatever the case might be you know not to be insensitive about it but doesn't it sound a little insane to have the same treatment for everybody 
Exactly. How can that be? That there's nothing else that works that way. I would, yeah, I would have hoped that we would have progressed beyond that. But, uh, but yeah, the deaths. I think one of the things that that um, that I've seen is is a lot of young athletes. You know, in their twenties, they seem to be dropping dead or having having major issues, cardiac arrests, especially. Um, now, the info info on that's very fuzzy. Some people say it's around three hundred. Some people say it's lower. Some people say it's misinformation. Um, I haven't found, um, the exact number, but I've heard, you know, like, Hey, you know, uh, I think it was before Christmas, a couple of them and a couple soccer players in a week dropped dead, yeah. which was kind of unusual for a highly trained 20 year old athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, the British health organization says absolutely, definitely no connection to the COVID or to the vaccine. Uh, but we're still investigating. But, so yeah, we, we leave the door open just in case, yeah. but I mean, it's, it's so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like. You don't see athletes just dropping dead. I mean, if you can, yeah. if it looks like it's in the same window or whatever, I mean, yeah. Exactly. It's worth taking a look. Now, um, suicides are also also a big thing um, that, uh, that we've been hearing about. Um, unfortunately, there's no data for 2021, so I can't report anything mm-hmm. on that. Uh, mm-hmm. 2020 suicides were, were down 3%. Mm-hmm. Um, anecdotally, it sounds like they're up, but oh, we probably won't know until a year from now what the 2020 yeah. or 2021 data was. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, we do know that children, uh, the attempts were up more than 50% among girls and and between 3 and 4% for boys. That is amazing and so sad. Which, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, there's, as far as I'm concerned, there's no, uh, there's no, um, no way to get around that kind and, of and, data. You know, that, that's the kind of thing where, you know, on back to like us and the target audience we're trying to reach and all that kind of thing. Like when I think about our friend group and I think about the, the, the friends that I have that are, you know, they're younger than me. But of course, my son was born so early in my life that, you know, I, I've, I've been out of the regular mother game for a while now. Mm-hmm. But knowing the difficulty of having a teenager and all of these people that that I know now, they're just now having their babies, and you know they've got a, you know little toddlers and things like yeah, that. Yeah. And I'm I'm so happy for them all. But when I think about this kind of stuff, I'm like, you know, look at what other people you know are dealing with because of this thing, and understand that those of us who are concerned about it may just be concerned about you and yours as well, but in a different way than, mm-hmm. you know, you're thinking that we all need to be standing in line and doing what we're told and getting our jab and doing our thing. And <laughs> that's the way we show you we care. We're all in it together, you know, but actually, like, we just have a different idea of, of you know, what's, what's really going to be good for you and your family and things. I mean, like, can you imagine those of you that, you know, are, you know, home with little babies that it's been wonderful this time that you've been able to be home with a kid and all that, that, you know, maybe, maybe that never would have happened before that you could be home as much with your child or whatever. That's awesome. But just think about how difficult that would be. I can't even imagine having a teenager going through this time. All that data, uh, that, um, that I just, uh, listed was for the U S but in China, it's completely different. Uh, they have a zero COVID policy, you know, basically thou shalt not get COVID Mm -hmm. and that's just the way it is. And you know what, but then, you know, back to this book and I didn't get into it because, um, you know, I I didn't want to just sit and read out of the book because it's boring and you're more prepared than I am. But in the book, they indicate that because in China, they did have that zero policy. They had a really strict, uh, tracing and tracking going on and they did employ the, uh, the therapeutics and because of that, they were able to, quote, end their, their pandemic. 
by April 2020, according mm. to this book. Which, which, you know what, that makes sense if you live in an authoritarian uh, location like yeah, that. Yeah, they can do that whole tracking thing like crazy. But in addition to that, they did apply the therapeutics. Mm-hmm. So, And then that's the, the, the treatments, the early treatment, and that was the key. Whereas we didn't do that. We could have done that. Yeah. But instead, we told everybody, sit at home until it's so bad you got to go to the hospital and then you might die because you're going to be put on a ventilator by somebody who's not trained to do it oh, yeah. or whatever else, you know, problem might have occurred. But And uh, and I just thought of this, that, that right near the beginning, there was some health minister in China who came out and basically was laughing at the U.S. They mm-hmm. said, well, you know, hey, if the, if the U.S. really wanted to get serious about this and they'd implement the same policies we have and their deaths would still be 4,000 just like ours. Yeah, there you and, go. You know what? If you're living in an authoritarian uh, regime and get welded into your apartment and yeah, and uh, can't go anywhere and and everything, then it I guess can be you that would. Way. And uh, you know, hey, on the flip side, you know, not that we're perfect. On the flip side, if you live in a country where it's all about who's making money at the top, yep, it's not going to be that way. You know, yep, exactly. So we've had this weird mix of this insane authoritarian lockdown, draconian craziness, mm-hmm. and yet getting rich off the whole thing. So it's it's just been like, we're, we're like living in the worst of both worlds, it seems like. Oh, it is, it is. But not and as bad as Australia, which you'll get not to. Not as bad as Australia. <laughs> Nothing's as bad as that. No, that, that's, they seem to be the poster child. Um, they, they had lockdowns here recently, and one of the, one of the things that struck me was, uh, and I quote, work is not a valid reason to leave the house. All right. Uh, so there you go. Just stay home and... Uh, <laughs> Just stay home. That's that's all. Yeah, there will be so, none. Yeah, nothing. the restrictions started locally around April 2020 uh, because Australia is so large. Then then the regions, the east and and the west, were kind of you know doing their own thing uh, based on what they saw regionally. And it would they'd have a restriction, and it would be lifted. Uh, but more recently, in in December 2020, there was there was an escape from a. Um, Treatment center, uh, when, what do you want to call it? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can call it a concentration camp. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's where people are sent who are suspected of having COVID or are associated with people who had mm-hmm. COVID. Uh, so there were there were three teenagers who escaped. They were both, or they're all three were Aboriginal, um, and uh, they were captured a couple, uh, maybe a day later in in uh, you know in the town of Australia. Um, Haley Hodgson um, had a great video to to really uh, really go and watch and think about. Um, it's on Unheard. Uh, that's U N H E R D. She was in there um, for a while, uh, more or less punitive. Um, mm-hmm. That that was pretty much why. It, more or less, they told her that that's you know she was there for punishment. Yeah. Um, and Haley and the three Aboriginal teenagers were both, or all, all of them tested negative. So none of them were, were positive. They were just kind of associated with people who are positive. So they were sent to the concentration camps. Amazing. Just, just because. Yeah. And, uh, you, you read about the, you read about Australia and, and they're like, oh yeah, it's a great place. We give you kind of an apartment and we'll give you meals and mm-hmm. got this little patio you can sit out on and, mm-hmm. and give you high speed internet. And we give you all this stuff, free Wi-Fi, and, and it's going to be great. You just spend some time relaxing mm-hmm. and. And there's there's actually things on on the internet where you can find that um, you know guides to make your stay better and and decorating tips and you know that kind of yeah. stuff and uh, 
And uh, it's kind of scary that people it, it, would just would just be like, well, I got to go there and uh, I'm going to just make the best of it. That, yeah, that, that's insane. It's between thinking that, oh, well, you know, we'll just make the best of it. That's fine. Between <laughs> that and also like, you know, it's it's one of those things where you, you, you don't want us to get to the point where you, because of this weird like, uh, you know, fear and division and ostracized way that we're being and that we're being told to act toward each other, Mm -hmm. that we as citizens would see that as okay. Yeah. You know, well, you are going to have to go to the camp, you know, (laughs) or, or, you know, you're unvaccinated, so you should die and not even be able to go to the hospital. Who was it that recently was saying that? Oh, God, Howard Stern. Oh, yeah, Howard Stern, yeah. He's doing this like, I think that you've had plenty of opportunities and you should just die. Go home and die. (laughs) Just die in your home. What the hell? You know, of all the people, I'm Howard Stern. I'm so badass. Yeah. But the establishment says you need this. And if you don't get it, die. Okay, thanks, Howard. I don't think so. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, and there have been some just embarrassing public uh, arrests. And in Australia, there was a couple of people sitting on a park bench. One of them was smoking and the other one was eating her lunch. And and one of them was arrested because they didn't have a mask on. And there Mm -hmm. was, I think it was in Australia that there was a teenage girl out with her friends that, you know, outstanding out front of some shop and, and she was arrested and you know, you know, half beaten up Jeez. because she didn't have a mask on and, and it just, yeah. But, and you know, here's another thing. Like I, I'm going to, I'm going to tinfoil hat one more time. Okay. I got the tinfoil hat. I okay, kept it please. nearby. Okay. Yeah, like note the marker in case you want to take this out. Cause it's too extreme. But the thing that freaks me out about that is if that is what they find to be an, an, a, a reasonable use of police, mm-hmm. that freaks me out because a, I can't imagine anybody, I mean, you know, uh, being willing to do that, like turn on citizens like that. But but also, is that in some weird ass sick way an idea that some of our crazy totalitarian people that we've got here in power would like to reform our police, for instance, you know, go around and because wasn't there the time that if you know that your neighbors are having more people over than we say they should have, you should turn them in. I forgot about that. Yeah, there was that time. I think we're going to have to keep our tinfoil hats handy. Yeah, thank you. If if I'm around, yeah. (laughs) You know, sometimes that's the only way to get through it. Yeah. But I think that was... Well, that was a lot of data. Yeah, and that is, I guess that does bring us to the end of all of our notes here. And so I think that, you know, the conclusion of it being, as as you've said, and so many people say these days, it's it's only over when we say it's over. Yep, and, and, you know, and if you if you say that it's over, and then it's then it's, then it's over. Yeah, if, if you're if you're not gonna tolerate the masks and the and the fear and everything. If, yeah, if you're not gonna you know turn on you know, the news and, and just get sucked into it. And I mean, it, it kind of, you know, we have to have learned by this point if they're, they're, I mean, to me, it's important to understand we did give them an inch and they indeed took a mile. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, that is important to know and, and to, to be aware of. And, you know, speaking of like you and being a constitutionalist and that kind of thing, like, Read that thing and what is in it and understand the power that we have as people here in this country that that we really need to look back at Mm -hmm. and lean on and get strong and come together because it does seem like there's something else going on. Just like that um, Ava, the the legal woman that I was talking about from Black Box TV, people around the world do know. And I mean, we're saying they do know. Not they think or it's a hunch or anything like that. They know 
that this is part of something that is coming. There is an idea to bring us into something. This is being used as, as a catalyst to that. We are being conditioned to see how much can we take from you? How much are you willing to give? How much can we turn you against each other? You know, I mean, it, mm-hmm. I, again, like, I'm glad I still have the hat on, but that, that is, it's not that far out of reach. And I, I hope that people can, you know, be willing to open their eyes a little bit to that possibility. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean. And that's, uh, I don't know whether you've seen it, but there was a, there was an appearance of Jordan Peterson on Joe Rogan. I don't even know when it was, but it's, it's that clip that just keeps coming up. And Joe Rogan says, you know, what the heck? How did people get to this point where where we've lost all this? And and Jordan Peterson explains to him, well, first you you know I'll I'll sit here and I'll push you a little bit and a little bit and a little bit and and then you'll then you'll stop you'll object mm-hmm. and then I'm just going to back off and wait and then I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you I'm gonna push you I'm gonna push you I'm gonna push you and then you're gonna object to it and I'm just gonna stop and I'm gonna wait and then suddenly you know you're a mile from where you started. And you got there an inch at a time, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. that's exactly how it is. That that uh, you know somebody will give you will yeah. uh, give you enough rope to hang yourself. Yeah, and it's it's just like they say, you know, back in the you know talk taking it back to history, like you know, I I mean, I, I the, the the Jewish people when asked, like, you know, how how did you guys just sit back and like let this happen? Didn't you think that you know? Like, and like with Australia, when they took your guns away, yeah. did you, you know, think this was going to happen or, you know, do you wish you hadn't done that now? You know, probably, yeah. but like, you know, and they said, well, you know, we, we thought, oh, it's going to blow over. It'll pass. It'll pass. And it's easy to think that. But when you're dealing with people who are kind of hell bent on this kind of evil and this kind of control and power, you can't expect them to act like you would act. You know, like you might, you, you might enact something that will blow over, you know, but these yeah. people are not the same as you are, you know, and that's when, and then they'll say from, you know, back in the World War II days and they'll be like, well, you know, but then when they had us wearing the star outside, we realized that you know, something was, was wrong. Yeah. And so, you know, here we are, uh, uh, you know, producing proof of our status, where we go now, um, you know, places even around here, you know, that's definitely what's going on in D.C. now. And, you know, like we were talking about in, in Austria and other places in, you know, that part of the world, they're already starting this social credit system and all that kind of thing that's tied to this kind of stuff. And, you know, the, the world is looking at us to do something, I think, you know, I think so. I, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, I, I'll tell the quick story real quick about an Uber ride that I took not too long ago. And I had to take this ride and, you know, I'm, I'm wearing my mask in the Uber like the woman told me to. And, um, you know, we were going to the hospital um, my, my husband happened to actually be in the hospital at the time. So, and, um, I'm getting a ride there and, uh, she was talking about it and she goes, you know, what do you think about this whole thing? And, you know, uh, you know, and I was like, I think it's ridiculous. And, and for her, it was like a total breath of fresh air. And I said, <laughs> and it's a breath of fresh air to me to talk to you because in this area, you know, I live in a, in an area that votes, it's a blue area, you know? And so people don't see things the way I see, unless you start talking to them, like you've mentioned before, but mm-hmm. I'm talking to her about it. And she was Russian. She had a nice, thick, beautiful Russian accent. And she said, you know, you, she said, the Americans are so stupid. What you are giving away, you don't see it. She goes, you know, the, the way it is with these people, they see us as a tiny, tiny screw, you know, and she's holding her hands like this, the tiny, tiny screw, and they just want to tighten and tighten and tighten, and that's what it is. You will have what we tell you to have, and this is somebody who knows this, you know, so you talk to people that, that are from those kinds of, you know, other walks of life and stuff, and they see it. 
and the world sees it. And I swear they're looking to us to do something. So I just hope that we will be able to come together and do that. I, I appreciate this opportunity, Bill. You know, you you, you came up with this idea that you know, hey, maybe we ought to try a podcast and see if anybody wants to listen to it. And and I hope that we can. I hope so. Bring some people it, yeah, to our it, side. I know it's your idea to to try to try to do something, try to reach out to yeah. to um, to uh, propagate some good information out yeah. there. Yeah, and you know, I'm not trying to create lifelong Republicans. But I am trying to say that like just this one time or maybe a couple of times upcoming, you need to, you know, really take a look at the real big picture because I think you got a problem in that party. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But but so it goes, you know, it's, you know, I'd like to see more people just kind of think about it. Yeah, it's true to to completely. Yeah, it doesn't need to be a necessary, you know, taking of a side or whatever, but you know, we need to get out of this. Yeah. Some kind of way. It's been and it's if, been if almost it's, two if it's years. If it's voting and... somebody out, if it's if it's making our own like, you know, local level changes or whatever it is, we we need to figure out a way to get out of this and 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 be on the lookout for it. So Anyhow, all right. Well, I think there that go. was a successful first that, episode. I think, yeah, episode number one is done. And um, thanks for listening. And Stay safe, but stay free. Stay safe, but stay free.